Coming up on this week's episode of RSVP. Rubble-strewn road, half of the tarmac has fallen off it, and I'm like, is there a five-star hotel up here? Like, literally cut into it, and it was, like, all grey and gooey inside. I'm not going to be able to let my mum listen to this podcast now. It's time for a little RSVP, the show full of rants and stories, visions and pains and so much more with special guests and fun galore. Hotels, destinations, nightmares and dreams, confessions and everything in between. So sit back, relax, pour a wine or whiskey, get comfy, cause it's time for RSVP. Welcome back to RSVP, the podcast for event planners and incentive planners too, looking for inspiration, ideas and industry laughs. Today's guest is Olivia Bodel, who is the Global Head of Events at Cult Wines. Welcome, Olivia. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, looking very flash in your cycling gear as well, may I say? Yeah, I did have a change of clothes, but I've decided to just keep it casual instead. (laughs) See guys, that's what we do here at RSVP. Our guests feel so comfortable, they just turn up in their sweaty workout gear. (laughs) So, as our listeners may already know, the podcast is an acronym, and of course, the first part of the acronym is R, which stands for rants. So, Olivia, what is your industry rant? So, I feel I have to start by caveating and saying that all of my events industry experience is from the wine industry. So, all the of best it is industry. The, yeah. So, for me, it's all very skewed towards specifically wine industry events. And there are so many like niggles and irritating things, but I think my biggest industry pet peeve is freeloaders and gate crashes. Yeah. There are no end of free, like, you know, no ticket industry events, like big wine tastings, things like that, where you can just search them on Eventbrite and get a ticket and come along. They're supposed to be for trade only, but there's this group of professional gate crashers which in the wine industry are known as liggers who (laughs) come along to events sign up for free and then come along and just drink the place dry they'll hang out near the most expensive bottle of wine and just ask the winemaker to just keep filling them up and filling them up and filling them up and it's like for me the greatest irritation that these producers are there trying to meet people who are going to buy their wines that these people are just there freeloading and then gate crashes, obviously, maybe not entirely the same concept, but people who just rock up to events and aren't invited and somehow in quite a lot of instances manage to get away with it. And they're like, oh, who invited you? And you're like, oh, you know, Ben invited us. And there's always someone called Ben. <laughs> there and really so, is. Or a Dave. Yeah, Dave. Yeah. John. <laughs> yeah, so they just come up with some generic, like, popular name, which they're m- m- more than likely to get away with. So... That, for me, would be my greatest pet peeve. I have to second this as well, because I used to, many, many years ago, as a student job, I used to work the front desk at uh, evening events, and they were events for academics. And there was always the same guy who would turn up 
And you could tell he just wasn't there to hear any of the talks. He'd always turn up, bang on the dot of when the drinks reception was starting. And he would always leave about two hours later, completely sloshed. His shirt would be covered in red wine stains and he'd be slurring his words. But they just, for some reason, they never barred him. He just kept on coming back. That's, yeah, I find that's a I find that surprising. There's even like a Reddit page of the most <laughs> no notorious wine industry liggers, like the, the gate crashes. There's like 10 of them and they all, like you said, are just some like innocuous looking person. But without fail, they will be at every single event. And I don't know how they find time to do anything else. You need to send us that list, Olivia. I'll Name send it and over. shame. Name and shame them. <laughs> The next part of our podcast is the S for stories. Could you tell me your favourite destination story, Olivia? So I think one of the most perfect destinations that you can go to for wine-themed retreat is a town in the greater region of Bordeaux in France. So in southwest France, Saint-Emilion is a UNESCO world heritage site and it's this beautiful old medieval town and it's got very very pale stone it's got a beautiful church steeple which you know sort of sounds every hour on the hour and it's these cobbled streets it's really really small you have to park outside it and then walk around the town if you're looking for michelin starred restaurants amazing hotels or even more accessible hotels and more everyday dining kind of restaurants. It's got absolutely everything there. It's a really small town surrounded by vineyards. So you can go and stand up on the sort of a big balcony, which looks out where there's just vineyards for as far as the eye can see. Even though it's so small, I could happily spend like a week there. That The unfortunate thing is it, it pretty much goes to sleep over the winter. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say it's a good place to visit mm-hmm. in, you know, November through February because a lot of the restaurants do close. Now, Olivia, as a wine connoisseur, answer this burning question. Is French wine the best in the world or is it overhyped? I think French wine has the greatest reputation in terms of the variety that they have to offer under one country. It's pretty much second to none. Maybe only in Italy could compete with it. They definitely produce some of the best wines in the world, but then so do other countries. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I could say that any country is the best winemaking country. I have some preferences and I think that French sparkling wine, Champagne, is some of the most near to perfect wine that you can get. But I think other countries produce just as amazing white wines or just as fantastic red wines as France does. They just produce a massive volume compared to you know some other countries in the world. But if you only drank French wine for the rest of your life, you would live a very, very happy life. You wouldn't exactly be crying, would you? No. <laughs> and next up, we have our favourite hotel experience. So it's probably tied in with like the big wave of popularity that's come off the back of White Lotus. There's a hotel in Sicily called the Foresteria, which is run by a winery called Planeta. And it is 
nestled in these hills in the south coast of Sicily, a place called Memphi. And you drive up this, you know, rubble-strewn road. Half of the tarmac has fallen off it. And I'm like, is there a five-star hotel up here? Like, (laughs) oh God, I feel really bad. We've invited all these people and it looks like it's going to be really, like, worn down. And then you kind of drive up through these olive groves and these vineyards appear out of nowhere. And then there is the most gorgeous five-star hotel in these hills and it is the most immaculate place that I have ever stayed it's really I think like if you could sum it up in one word it would be serene it's very very calm there there's no noise no light pollution and you're just in this oasis of Mediterranean calm. There's all sorts of activities that you can do there. You know, that you can go down to the beach and they have like those nice cabanas and you can go wine tasting. They have a wonderful selection of their own wines that their sommelier sits down with you. And, you know, I think we paid 30 euros per person to taste like three or four wines. The sommelier was so excited that we were a group of wine lovers there. He kept cracking out all these different bottles. We probably tasted 15 different wines. And then we went through to dinner and he was like, oh, you are doing dinner now too? And he was almost like (laughs) appalled that he'd given us so much wine because we were about to get even more. Did he know you were British? Not a big deal for us. Yeah. <laughs> it is like water on a duck's back for us. But then they have this amazing restaurant, super clean white tablecloth. So I'm a real thing for a really nice white tablecloth mm. and a glass window where you can see through into the kitchen. And it's almost like, I don't know if you've seen that film, is it called The Chef with Ray Fines, where everyone is moving just like so calmly and almost like robotically just doing things really perfectly, not a sort of chaotic argumentative kitchen just very very calm looking behind this glass uh, glass window so gordon ramsay would be completely out of place there he I'm would guessing. not be welcome there no <laughs> not at all but most importantly olivia any liggers oh were there any liggers <laughs> no i think that if anyone had been a ligger in that situation it probably would have been me and next up we have your favorite food experience what is it and why I think recently, looking into, you know, the last year of my life, the most surprisingly delicious meal that I had was in the Barossa Valley in Australia, in uh, South Australia, kind of about an hour away from Adelaide. And there's a little town called Tanunda, which I had visited about 10 years before, and it's quite a sleepy little town. But in those 10 years it has transformed into like a bit of a hipster hangout and there's this Vietnamese restaurant which is run by a Vietnamese lady called Fermentation. Fermen- fermentation? Yeah okay, so f- sounds- like the word ferment hyphen Asian because they ah, have like... okay. So like a, a play on fermentation? A, a play on Love fermentation because they're in the middle of a, you know, a iconic wine region and they have a wine list with probably like 6,000 bottles of wine on it. So wow. there's no end of different wines that you can drink there. And I really, really like Asian food, but I was a bit like overwhelmed by the menu because I was like, there is so much good stuff and so much good stuff to drink. And you can secretly order from the owner a tasting menu, which is not even written down any anywhere. And the guy I used to work with was like go for it we need to go for it it's you know seven courses and they bring it out and it'll be absolutely amazing and I'm like a little bit fussy and so I was like oh if I don't know what it is how do I know that something weird isn't going to show up and I'm not going to like it I call it food fear food yeah <laughs> I like had, what's it gonna be I had proper food fear <laughs> and I 
was ba- I was like socially strong-armed into doing it and I've never eaten such delicious food it was absolutely brilliant and the most standout thing was these amazing spring rolls which normally as an English person you grow up eating like a you know a naff Chinese spring roll which is like beige on the outside but these were like so spiced and delicious and the outside wrapper was like really thin almost like lace and then the stuff inside it was like these gorgeous glass noodles it was absolutely knockout like I'm still dreaming about those spring rolls that sounds absolutely amazing and just going back to the food fear so sadly every time I've been worried of course it's come true because I'm the world's unluckiest person. And the last time I had food fear, I was served a sea slug. Oh, I don't even know what that <laughs> I, is. It sounds. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't eat it. I um. I was just like, I yeah. I I'm full. But um, somebody, somebody I was with was like literally cut into it, and it was like all grey and gooey inside. And honestly, like. I hadn't actually eaten anything yet, but I'm so glad I hadn't because watching him tuck into a sea slug, whatever I had in my tummy would have come straight back up. It I'm going to have to Google a sea slug after it, but it sounds <laughs> does not sound delicious. I'd have been like, oh, sorry, I'm actually allergic to sea slugs today. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have V for Vision, which is your dream event, Olivia, with no limits or restrictions. What would you do? This is a great question because my mind wandered to so many places. And I think ultimately my answer stems from having grown up watching Titanic on like a weekly basis with an obsession about luxury oceanic vessels. So mine would definitely be some kind of amazing sailing event on a boat either a you know a yacht in the Caribbean or a lovely catamaran around the Greek islands something where there's enough space for there to be a small number of guests for me small intimate events are their absolute best I would have sort of maybe six to ten people on a boat going island hopping going diving in the daytime going and doing that like spear fishing maybe catching what you're going to eat for dinner and then on the boat having an amazing chef maybe a different chef every night who's going to cook you a delicious dinner either on the beach or on the boat is it going to be black tie who knows and keep them guessing keep them guessing (laughs) and have maybe an amazing winemaker or some kind of cool um, spirits producer from Japan or something cool from Scotland Mm -hmm. come and have like an amazing food and wine or food and drink matching dinner every night but then also having enough time in the daytime to wear yourself out and get a bit of a tan as well. I have just one question about this event. Can I come? Yeah. lastly now we have p for pain i'm going to read you an anonymous confession that we've been sent and uh hopefully you won't see too early on where this is going okay dear charlotte sometimes looking after delegates can be like being an unpaid and unappreciated babysitter case in point a recent incident where i was traveling with a group and ended up having to referee Waiting at the airport before the flight home, tensions were beginning to arise between a pair of colleagues. To give them their due, they were tired, hungover, and their social battery was completely empty. But perhaps I'm talking about myself more here. 
As we sat waiting by the gate, I could hear bickering starting, but decided not to get involved, as we are all presumably adults. Or so I thought. Eventually, the bickering descended into a full-on argument, with other passengers starting to turn around and stare in horror at the childish behaviour on display. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> I want to know what they were arguing about. Ah, it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> Eventually, I knew I would have to get involved. Heading over, I broke up the argument between the pair and asked what was wrong and how could I help. Any guesses what they were fighting about at the airport? Maybe over a seat or oh something. Oh my god, okay. <laughs> you are a genius. It turns out these fully grown adults were arguing about, drum roll, who would get the window seat. Oh my god. <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable. I was absolutely stunned and finally understood the looks of contempt from the other flyers. In the end, I managed to persuade them that the fairest thing to do would be to let the person who'd sat in the middle on the way out have the window seat on the return flight. This feels like a conversation you would have with your um, infant children. Yeah, with like a three-year-old. Not too coll- <laughs> Yeah, literally. This was the way we did it on the way out, so we're going to swap on the way back. That's fair. Do you think they had to like use some sweets or whatever as a bribe as well? Or just distract them and be like, you can watch my iPad if you want. <laughs> <laughs> you can play on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I still think of those two people and hope to God that they don't have any kids of their own. <laughs> they probably do, let's not be honest. Oh, that's where they learned this from. Although actually I think that's kind of unfair because often I'll be somewhere and the kids will be absolute angels and the parents will just be the worst people. So I feel like actually blaming it on saying people are acting like kids isn't always very fair. Yeah, I, f- I feel like in response to that, I can see where those people were coming from. That being in an airport brings out the worst in absolutely everyone, doesn't it? Myself included. I went on a trip with my colleague in June and on the way back, our flight had so many small children on it who were making quite a lot of noise. And I said to her, I was like, I'm really sorry. I know this is really rude, but I'm just going to put my noise cancelling headphones on now. And I just blocked the world out. But it's got to the stage now where I find travelling with my parents so stressful that I book my flight separately so that I don't have to sit with them. <laughs> I, I'm not going to be able to let my mum listen to this podcast now. But she, because otherwise she'll know what I'm doing when I'm always saying oh, don't worry, I'll book my flights. Oh, you know, whatever. I'll see you when we get to San Francisco or whatever. Because I find travelling, especially with my parents, is like kryptonite. That is so savage, but I'm 100% stealing that tip from you. Yeah, do it. (laughs) Olivia, thank you so much. It's been great having you. Thank you for all your fab stories. No, my pleasure. And I hope you enjoyed your time as a guest. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for having me.